4: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020 Campari America, New York, New York. Never compromise. Drink responsibly.
1: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helman. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, August 20th episode of the Rotorwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Two weeks of preseason games are in the books. And we've got two guests today. Uh, we're going to talk to Rotorwire beat writers for the Chargers and the Saints. First up is Joe. Joe, you pronounce your name Bartel? I'm sorry, right? Uh Bartel Bartle it, it works
2: both ways. I've I've grown up uh with either one. It's so your um, name.
1: Which do you prefer?
2: <laughs> I suppose Bartle is probably the the more correct way of going with Bartle.
1: it. Sloppy hosting by not asking you before we started, but um all right, so Joe <laughs> covers the Chargers for RotoWire. Um so Mike Williams got some attention over the week. He made that what a great catch he made for that touchdown! Basically, the the, the book on Mike Williams and we missed him last year. But you know, he was injury filled year as a washout as a rookie. They drafted him with a very high pick. So, and the the book on him is big guy, red zone target, circus catches, is going to jump over people. So they threw him in the end zone this weekend, and he jumped over a guy to catch a touchdown pass. What should we expect from Mike Williams other than more of that? Um, I think that book
2: that was written on Mike Williams, big guy, that's a red zone target, is. Literally all that's available as far as literature on that guy at this point, <laughs> He's he, that's that's exactly what the Chargers are planning on using him for. And frankly, with Hunter Henry out, it seems like Mike uh, Williams is going to be even more of a focus in the red zone. I, I think that that was going to be a natural progression. So long as Williams is healthy, that's where this, this was going to go, especially given he was the number seven overall pick last year. But even more with Hunter Henry now, I think Williams is going to become the priority of the offense in the red zone. And Rivers has made a Phil uh, Philip Rivers has made a comment as such that he is he's looking for Mike Williams first and foremost when it comes to that. I think you know, in terms of his ADP because I do a lot of articles for the ADP and RotoWare as well. Williams remains an undervalued guy in standard leagues for that very for that very reason because he is looking to be such a red zone threat.
1: All right. And and he's the type of receiver more Unlike, let's say, a guy like Fitz, who's a PPR monster and not as good in standards, Williams is probably the opposite. He'll probably be less of a volume guy, maybe more of a touchdown guy.
2: Exactly, especially because Keenan Allen is your PPR guy. And then they have Tyrell Williams, too, who really is going to be a guy that I think Rivers targets enough. They're going to kind of cut into one of targets as far as uh, between the 20s. But I think that Mike Williams is going to be the main guy besides Melvin Gordon that is going to get most of the look in the red zone.
1: All right, so Mike Williams, I'm looking at standard ADP of end of the ninth round in the Crowder, Aguilar, and then Williams, then Alan Hearns area. Does that sound right to you, underrated, overrated? Yeah. That's that, that's like the hodgepodge of
2: receivers that you, you might want to take a gamble on, but you're not positive. And I think a lot of people are turned off. He was he was one of those pe- uh, players that I think was drafted probably higher than maybe he should have and as a result it's so easy to go in hindsight and say, oh, I never liked this Mike Williams guy from Clemson. And then he has a whole season where he's hurt, and it's easy for the affirmation to come into play and like, oh, yep, told you he wasn't good. You know, he's a bust. We should definitely stay away. But as a ninth-round guy who's going to be targeted mainly in the red zone, I, I, don't, I don't see why not. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't get at least five touchdowns. And that's that's an at least five touchdowns kind of thing. So wh- why not take a gamble with him, especially in the staring Scoring League, at the back half of your draft, this is where you're seeing like, uh, well, I guess the Jaguars' defense is going before them, but top defenses are a guy that can get five to eight touchdowns. I'm going to go with Mike Williams in that scenario, and he's a great number four, number five wide receiver on your fantasy team for that exact reason.
1: So, related to Mike Williams, but not all related to the Chargers. So, three receivers went in the top ten last year. and I mean, that's that's a high price to pay for a receiver. And right now, people are... People are still in on Corey Davis and still excited. And I feel like with Williams and especially John Ross, just like nobody cares right now. No evidence. Yeah, exactly. Forget that guy.
2: Well, and I think it's John Ross can get labeled and this is a this feels like a for better or for worse thing. He broke the forty record and that's all he's capable of doing. Well, no, that's not. He he wasn't just a speed guy. He actually had some running Ackerman to him. He just got caught by the injury bug, and that was a concern of his entering the draft. And the same goes for Williams, but Williams wasn't blessed with the speed that John Ross has he's just this big tall guy that had neck surgery once upon a time. oh and now he has an injury that keeps him out most of the season Well well he's not going to be that good of a player he's a reach I mean it, it it's about fighting these labels that they are given with at the draft being John Ross and Mike Williams and to this point neither of them have actually fixed that <laughs> fixed that issue. I really think this year he he seems healthy the Chargers are in love with him and he's one of the guys that I see most often the beat writers are talking about besides, Ah oh, man, maybe Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler seems like a guy that the beat writers tend to love. I think Mike Williams is going to do just fine this year, especially now that he's healthy.
1: Okay, uh, folks, check us out on Twitter before we continue. Joe is at JB Fantasy Sports, and I'm at J Thirty Seven. You can also tweet us at RotoWire. There's player updates all the time at RotoWire NFL, and we're on Facebook um, during the season. There's going to be some plenty of videos and all that stuff. All right, more on the Charges. So Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is going ADP wise again. I'm at fantasy football calculator, which I tend to use a lot. Philip Rivers going to QB twelve, which is higher. I feel like that's higher than a lot of areas. Is is that right for Philip Rivers? Or are we still giving him? Is he the Rodney Dangerfield getting no respect kind of guy?
2: I've been seeing him going more as a QB fourteen, QB fifteen, mm-hmm. and that to me, that that isn't right. So QB twelve, I I wonder if that's that's probably more close to what it is. That quarterback position is so damn deep. I mean, it is just so deep that a guy like Philip Rivers at twelve, who's guaranteed throwing four thousand yards and twenty-five touchdowns, actually makes a little bit of sense. Just because there's guys like Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Big Ben that are all kind of around that same range too, ADP wise. And I, I want like it, it's more of like a pick your poison type of deal. You know, Rivers is going to come with some of the turnovers. I don't think he shakes that even with the which you'd figure to be more healthy weapons this year than even the past two years. But what he's going to give you in turnovers, he gives you even more in touchdowns and yards. And I think, I think Rivers is a top ten quarterback. I think he's going to be once again more of the uh, the value spots at quarterback. But because there's so many, I'm not sure there really is that big of a value spot. Just just too many to pick from. It feels like.
1: All right, and last um, the last three years, tenth, sixth, and seventh finishes for Phillip Rivers. So uh, I, see, that's that's again top t-
2: top ten guy. He was being drafted even way like way later than that last year. I think he was even a, a 14 or 15 guy again last year. And that one was even more ridiculous because it wasn't nearly as deep of a fantasy position as it is this year. But yeah, to your point, there you go. He is top 10 guy most years and never drafted as such.
1: Would you rather have Phillip Rivers or Matthew Stafford?
2: I would rather have Rivers because I think that division is maybe actually not as good as what the NFC North is going to end up being. I also think that Rivers is a main focal point of that offense. I don't know what Matt Patricia wants to do <laughs> for the Lions. Maybe the running game could be what he wants to make the focal point. They might not be good enough to do such. I know that Phil Rivers will be the focal point of that uh, that Chargers offense.
1: Okay. Let's go to running back Melvin Gordon. You're, you're a Wisconsin Badger, so I'm sure yes. you're partial to Melvin yes. Gordon. He is going right now eighth among running backs, and this is standard behind Kamara, Fournette, but ahead of Hunt and Cook. What do you think you guys should be looking for from Gordon, and does that draft spot sound right to you?
2: It depends, I think, on what scoring system you're in. Gordon's value is fantastic because he can also do uh, the PPR stuff. He's going to get targeted plenty. I know there's Austin Eckler there, and he really is actually an okay PPR target later on as well. But Melvin Gordon's going to give you that offense, not just rushing, but through the air too. And I really think that at least in a PPR league, Gordon should absolutely be going ahead of Fournette. And I think, you know, that's that's where the ADP doesn't doesn't necessarily reflect what scoring you're in. I think in a standard scoring league, Fournette's the guy I'd go with, just a little bit ahead of Gordon. I wouldn't I wouldn't have any issue if Gordon went ahead of Fournette in a standard scoring league. But that makes sense. I'm I'm pretty high in Delvin Cook, so I think Delvin Cook actually goes ahead of both of those guys. But after that, give me give me Melvin Gordon. He is a fantastic. Late first, early second round guy. And if you're worried about, and you're drafting the back half of that first round, and you're worried about getting a running back at least once before the turn, uh, the third, fourth round turn, I should say, I really think Melvin Gordon is a fantastic option that you could consider.
1: Okay. So in the middle of the year here, let's say weeks 10 through 13 last year, I'm looking at snap counts, because you're talking about Eckler and the beat writers liking him. Well, there were four weeks that he was over 20 snaps. And in those weeks, those were a little on the low side for Gordon. There was a little phase where Gordon, he, he ticked up over 50 snaps a week at the end of the season, for the last five games. But there was a time there he was in the 30s and 40s. Does, if Eckler's fine and okay and ready to go, does that mean they they manage Gordon's workload a little bit?
2: I think that you'd be asked. I think that Gordon is the better talent, and they recognize yeah. that. But Eckler, Eckler is, I mean, he just... I think Anthony Lynn uh, last week sent said, said said some kind of comment I, I was stunned by it when I was reading it. He's one of the most special talents that I've seen at the running back position ever. And I, I was like, Wow, that's 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 pretty darn aggressive as far as Austin Eckler goes. Like, yeah, he's he's great. Like I think he's whatever whatever the best version of Darren Sproles is, I think that I think that's what Austin Eckler is either last or even right now. That's that's where we're getting to at that point. It's about getting the trust with Philip Rivers, and I think we're there. But I, I don't know if he's really going to uh, you know, submarine Melvin Gordon's snap count to the point where he's not still a first-round, uh, early second-round type of fantasy running back. I just think he's too vital in the red zone. He's too, uh, he's too multifaceted. He's been working on his route running all throughout the offseason and training camp, and it, it's been impressive thus far, at least by all accounts that know the Chargers pretty well. So I, I think that yeah, Eckler will be a guy that's in there, but I could even see more two running back uh, sets as opposed to the two tight ends that they ran last year with Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates. I think that we could see a lot of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler both out in the field doing
1: things. Okay. Let's move to running back. Let's move, sorry, to wide receiver. So if I am in a draft, especially PPR, and I'm in the middle of round two, I always look and I go, the the players are starting to fall, and I'm going, ooh, I'd really like Devonta Adams because, as I keep saying here, I'm talking to people, everybody thinks Devonta Adams is going to break out. Maybe I'll get this guy. Maybe I'll get that running back. And then Keenan Allen's there, and I take him every time. Like, I love Keenan Allen. What happened last year after the bye? I mean, the first game after the bye was Jacksonville, which, you know, it's a mulligan for anybody. He had three games in a row where he was 10 catches plus. And, and yeah. his usage in the second half of the season, he— Rivers has never been shy about targeting Keenan Allen, but after the bye last year, he just, he fed him constantly. Did did anything change?
2: Yeah, you know what changed is that they were fighting for their playoff lives. I mean, that, that really is what it came down to. All those specialty mishaps had the Chargers in a position where they need to, I guess, essentially win out, not Aaron Rodgers relax kind of win out, but essentially speaking, they had to win out. And it really became apparent, That that needed to happen and you focus on Keenan Allen that that really became Philip Rivers and where he won I think that Thanksgiving game was really I mean national stage you can all see what happened against the Lions uh, But it was one of those things where boy Keenan Allen's on a different level as far as receivers goes He might not be the fastest person out there But he will always get open. And right. it's not a matter of let's just throw it up top to him and he'll catch down like DeAndre Hopkins or you know a Kelvin Johnson of old. It's just that he runs such great routes that he's getting open middle of the field sideline underneath deep. Like it does not matter. Keenan Allen, really just I, I really I really think and I don't know if it's a bit of my Chargers bias having covered them now for a couple of years. I think Keenan Allen's the best route running receiver in the NFL, wow. and I don't really think it's that close. I I, I truthfully believe that. Because you could watch him on any single play, and he will get open. That's just how it works, whether he's the main target or not. I really think that, you know, you talked about middle of the second round for a PPR league. I'm taking Keenan Allen before then. I'll take him before some of those other running backs. I normally have been doing my drafts, getting one running back, one receiver. If I'm drafting the back end of that second or early, well, yeah, early second round, back end of the first round, Keenan Allen's always the guy I'm looking to target at the turn. Because I know he's getting 100 hundred catches, probably 150 targets easily.
1: So last year, every, we all talk about Keenan and Allen. You, we, we, we differentiate between the PPR and the standards, and we look and go, well, Keenan Allen, well, he's a great PPR receiver. In standard scoring, he was the third wide receiver last year behind Hopkins and Antonio, which is, is yeah. huge. And even with just six touchdowns, he was ahead of Tyree Kill, Marvin Jones, Julio, A.J. Green, Michael Thomas, et cetera. So for standard leagues, would you take, who, who would you take ahead of Keenan Allen at receiver in standard leagues?
2: Um, I think I would go certainly Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I would go with Michael Thomas. I, I think I think I would take Devontae Adams too. I really again Packers I see the bias showing. But I would take him there. And I think I'd also go AJ Green. I am a lot lower on Julio Jones than than people seem to be. I'm I'm very concerned that we're getting to that point in the career where the where the injuries aren't just something nagging, but something more than that. Um I, I'm I'm staying as far away. So I think it's really after Devontae Adams and you can make a case even in standard scoring before Devontae Adams, that's where I'm taking Keenan Allen uh in most drafts.
1: Okay. Just we all have to remember everybody that the, the the rub with Keenan Allen is the is the, the injuries. Injuries. Because the two years before as great as last year was, the two years before that were not good. I mean, you know, and AC, really? ACL yeah. was twenty sixteen and that's a fluke. But Right. And then and
2: then he had the the I mean ACL's Right. It's,
1: the, it's the spleen. It, that was yeah.
2: that's the fluke injury in my opinion. I mean, it's been three years where he couldn't make a full season. and really two where he missed almost all of it. He had eight, eight games in 2015 and then 2016 it was just that single one with the ACL. So yeah, fluke and the, sp- the spleen thing too, at least with that, the spleen, it's that you know, it, it shouldn't be a reoccurring issue. I look at Jason Verrett, who's gonna be out now for his third consecutive season due to some sort of knee or, or leg injury. And that, that's one of those things where his career is probably done at this point. A spleen injury multiple times would be life-threatening, not just right. career-threatening. But
1: thankfully, it doesn't happen too often, you know? Okay. Um, the, the other wide receivers, we talked about Mike Williams. You mentioned Tyrell Williams earlier. Last year at this time, he was a popular, I want to say, and this is off the top of my head, he was inside the top 40 for a lot of people. People were excited about it. What are you looking at with Tyrell Williams this year? Are we overlooking him because he's not being drafted at all? Uh, well, he
2: probably should be drafted. I, I think he's going to get at least you know 500, 600, 700 yards. But he's just he's not flashy anymore, right? There, there's there's no there's no I was going to say promise. I was, there's no promise of promise. There there there's no real upside to Tyrell Williams at this point. I was I was surprised that he came back to the Chargers. I thought Mike Williams being drafted was it was a game. Tyrell Williams, with his contract being done this year, he was gone. And instead, they kept him around in restricted free agency. He's going to live to fight another day on this Chargers roster. I think it's only a matter of time until he's gone. Frankly, if a major team were to get an injury of some sort, I wouldn't be surprised if Tyrell Williams was dealt. I, I, I thought, you know, I keep the Patriots. You know, like I, I think he'd really fit well with Tom Brady. The speed that he has is underrated. I think that he's one of the faster guys. Well, alongside Travis Benjamin, he's not that fast. And he's a pretty big guy, too, but alongside Mike Williams, he's not that big. So he's kind of a he has attributes that would make him a tantalizing receiver, but he hasn't quite all put together. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on the Chargers roster by the end of this year, but certainly offseason next year. I just think that uh, what they have in Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, too, kind of has his own set role on that offense that he just kind of he gets forgotten. And I think for good reason, too. He should be drafted, but I'm not. I'm not investing a high pick. I'm not really investing a medium pick on him. He's kind of a a late round flyer. Just in case Keenan Allen gets hurt, just in case uh, Mike Williams gets hurt, I think that those two guys. Then Williams becomes a bit more of a priority
1: in that offense. Okay, what are they going to do at tight end? they're not going to live with what they have, right? Uh I I would I would not have thought they would.
2: Right, but as we are now in week two of the preseason. And we've only heard some sniffling, or I guess we've only seen some snifflings uh, of Antonio Gates returning. I, 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 w- I think they'll sign somebody at week four after the cuts come in but it's not going to be a big-name guy. And I think that as a result, we're seeing Virgil Green as your starting tight end for the 2018 Chargers. Yeah, he was the starting wow. tight end for the Broncos, but that he did not do anything fantasy-wise. And really for an offense that used those tight ends so much— it should be a concern. Like, if you are a Chargers fan, it should be a concern that Virgil Green is your starting tight end at this point. Yeah.
1: And Virgil Green, Virgil,
2: he's a good blocker, right? He's a fantastic blocker. I mean, they they that was the reason they signed him to a three-year contract, it was solely for his blocking. It was going to be the two tight end sets, Hunter Henry, Virgil Green. And, and that's basically what they did last year. Antonio Gates was the blocking tight end, and he really isn't that good at that. He's gotten better as he's gotten older, but he isn't known for blocking. That's what Virgil Green was supposed to be for. And the reason they let Antonio uh, Gates go in the first place, and yet now <laughs> we have Hunter Henry out for the season. Virgil Green's a guy. We're talking about Brayden Bowen and Sean Culkin for the number two tight end roles. Yeah. And this is a team, again, they had, I think it was like 26% of their snaps on offense. On first and second down, you had at least two tight ends out there, at least two. And then I, even on third down, you had two tight ends quite often too. So there's going to have to be a major shift or you're seeing – the less talented players on that offense on that 53 man roster hit the field on first and second down, because there's no way they should be having those guys out there when they have the likes of Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin on the bench. You know, that's, that's just how it should go. But we'll see. They haven't, they haven't really tipped their hand in the preseason. Okay.
1: Let's go to defense. Looks like a top five unit. It's being drafted like a top five as a top five unit behind the Jags, Rams, Vikings, and Eagles. And ahead of the Texans and Broncos and then Ravens what do you think I mean obviously you like the Chargers defense we love the ends Brett got hurt that was a bummer what are we what should we expect from him this year I think it
2: looks like a top five uh, defense it quacks like a top five defense (laughs) I think it probably is going to be a top five defense Joey Bosa is going to give you all the sacks you might need him alongside with Melvin Ingram really makes I think one of the most formidable pass rushing duos in the NFL once Corey Legit gets back, you're going to have the other nose tackle aside from Brandon Meebane. And really, Legion used to be a sack guy too. So it's it's three people on the defensive line that are impressive. Damien Square and Darius Fillion have, have really kind of popped off the page in terms of defense at training camp and offseason to the point where I think they rotate frequently on that defensive line. And then you have a lot of depth along that spot. Joey Bosa is going to be the guy that's bringing that pressure off the edge. And he's a pretty good run stuffer, too, just for his size. I mean, he's he's everything that he's been advertised to be those, thus far. The health on that defense line will be important because that really is the linchpin for everything else. The linebackers aren't anything to write home about. As long as Denzel Perryman is healthy, you have a guy that's probably a top 15 middle linebacker, but he can't ever stay in the field. He missed, uh, I think, eight games last year just due to a, a myriad of different injuries. And I, I'm sure it'll be the same way this year. They have at least some guys that are, are young enough that could be interesting. Kaiser White has been the talk of training camp as well, converted safety-turned-linebacker. Uh, That's Kevin White's brother. He's not going to be starting, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing often enough by the end of the season where he's a he's a factor. And then Derwin James, guy that should absolutely not have slipped down to number 17 this year in the first round, is going to be, I think, guaranteed that strong safety starting spot or free safety, whatever way you want to go with it. They've been interchanging Jaleel Adai and Derwin James getting in both reps at those spots. That's, that's a very good secondary. Casey Hayward, Trevor Williams underrated as far as a cornerback goes to, And then Desmond King as your nickel cornerback. That's, that's a very good secondary and a very good defensive line. And that alone, I think, that, that's going to make them a top five defense in my
1: opinion. All right. So my 10-year-old son, who has a Joey Boza fathead on his wall in his bedroom, <laughs> he's fired up. He asked me for my Super Bowl picks the other day, and I thought about the AFC, and I went, "Wow, Patriots are boring. I don't want to pick them." I went Chargers. Am I going to disappoint him?
2: Uh yes, probably because Tom Brady is a god, <laughs> and Bill Be- Bill Belichick is whatever is better than a god. Come on, uh, Joe. I, well, I, no, I I'm bored with it too. I'm I'm tired of seeing the Patriots. I'm tired of talking about the Patriots. I think the Chargers are the AFC AFC West winner. I I don't think there's any question in my mind. The Broncos are not that good of a team. I think the Chiefs are going to struggle at times, uh, and it really takes an injury to Hunt or Kelsey, and that team is that team is really down and out. Uh, there's nothing to that defense. The Raiders, nothing to write home about. Everyone talks about how the Chargers are this bad luck team. They can never, they can never put together despite all the talent. Now, give me them all the way, and I, frankly, I think they are one of the best teams in the AFC, not just in that division, in the AFC as a whole. So, yeah, they can make a run for it. I think the Jaguars Chargers are the most interesting teams in the AFC that you can talk about Super Bowl prospects. But that that's I, – I think it's the Patriots until said otherwise, especially because that AFC East division is so goddamn bad.
1: Yeah, it, it 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 really is terrible. There's not a lot going on there. I actually think the Jets might be a sneaky team, and that's a, probably more of a statement about the AFC East than it is about the Jets. Joe, what else are you working on? You're you working on some ADP stuff.
2: Yes, I, I write ADP articles uh, every weekend for the, the RotoWire blog. I'm also the esports editor uh, for RotoWire. So just got back from a trip to Columbus, Ohio for the Call of Duty World Championships. We'll have plenty of coverage over on the esports portal, eGamer News, uh, for the League of Legends World Championships and Dota Two and Overwatch. And uh, I also do some NBA stuff. Like I, I tell people I wear. I'm a man of many hats at RotoWire.
1: <laughs> so awesome. All right. So someday we got to have an esports conversation because I'm an old guy who has a hard time grasping all that. So I'm gonna have to. I, I need. I need to keep up. Basically. Gladly, I would gladly do yeah. that. Absolutely. I need that. <laughs> all right, Joe. Thanks for joining me, everybody. Fantasy football evolution is back for 2018 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We added mock drafting. Moved the championship final to NFL Week 16 and made setting up a private competition a snap. Join us and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. Fantasy Football Evolution's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long fantasy football without the never-ending drafts or late-season absentee owner and waiver wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues. Play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own private league. You'll get 16 weeks of action for just $27. You could be the next Fantasy Football Evolution $25,000 champion. Maximize your chances by owning multiple teams. There's optional auto-draft and lineup assist that can help you manage them with ease. It's all here, so what are you waiting for? Register now, FantasyFootballEvolution.com, and join the evolution. Availability varies by states. Visit our website for details. Again, that's FantasyFootballEvolution.com. Thanks a lot, Fantasy Football Evolution. All right, with me now is Justin Filco, who covers the Saints for Road to Wire. He's at J. Philco F-I-E-L-K-O-W on Twitter. Justin, how you doing, man?
3: Doing all right. Good morning, John.
1: Morning. So, um, let's talk about the Saints. So, Drew Brees, forever and ever and ever, was fantasy superstar quarterback. Everybody loved him. You know, it's the Saints; they throw all the time. It's like a track meet in there. It's the greatest thing ever for fantasy football owners. And they sort of changed their identity last year, and now. As good as Drew Brees was in real football last year, his volume was down, and he was QB 11. Is this kind of a new reality, or is it a blip, and what should we look for from Drew Brees?
3: You know, quite frankly, I do think there is some reality in the sense that his volume may be reduced. Um, a large part of that comes with having a great offensive line and a pair of running backs in Alvin Kamara, Mark Ringer, the latter who will miss four games, um, really being able to relieve some pressure. That said, I think you know QB eleven and where he's being generally drafted seems far too low. This is a guy who has been for a long time one of the top quarterbacks in the league, and we know that yes, age can start to become a factor later in his career, but he's never been one with the biggest arm. So really, that factor shouldn't come into play nearly as much. You know, from my eyes, what you saw last year is Breeze really. I think where you would see a huge jump in his statistics in the end is simply it comes down to is if just a handful of those touchdowns that went to the running backs. And it was an incredible amount where each of Kamara and Ingram scored double-digit touchdowns. You know, if a player doesn't get tripped up at the one or if one of those two running backs gets stuffed on the first carry from the goal line, you might see Breeze throw a few more touchdowns. His touchdown totals were his fewest in... I think 15 years, which just, uh, to me, screams fluke from a player who is so great at what he does, so precise, particularly in the red zone, that I just anticipate a situation where you're going to see those touchdowns bump back up. Okay. Again, you may not see the 600 pass attempts like you did from his heyday, but it's going to be a situation where I think he's just far too low from where he's being drafted right now.
1: All right, Breeze. last year, just for context everybody, um, he... Had 537 attempts, which was ninth. He had, sorry, fantasy points. He finished, I'm going to look at this real quick, sorry. Um, yeah, QB11 behind Wentz and Dak, and Wentz only played 13 games. So this year, um, I'm going to give you the either or. Uh, breeze or Wentz? Oh, Breeze. Okay, Breeze or Cam?
3: You know, that one's where we're starting to get close because Cam brings the running game.
1: okay and then Breeze ahead of guys like Cousins and Luck and Stafford for you? Without a question. Okay, so you've got him up. I mean, the, the ADP I'm looking at right now in Fantasy Football Calculator has him at about QB5. It sounds like that sounds about right for you. It's Breeze 5, Cam 6, and that sounds like right about where you are.
3: It does, and I would probably be taking him, you know, if you're looking for safety given some of the variability that comes with Cam with his injury history, I'd probably be looking at Breeze at 3 or 4.
1: Okay. All right, let's get to those running backs you talked about. First of all, so Alvin Kamara, last year, Alvin Kamara won a lot of people, a lot of leagues, because he was basically undrafted. Because they had last year they had Peterson in the beginning of last year, right? That's right. So so they had Peterson, they had Ingram, and oh by the way, we've got this third round pick who might contribute on passing downs. Lo and behold, Alvin Kamara blew up fantasy football. Anyone who picked him, you know, either drafted him really late or picked him up in the first couple of weeks of the season got rewarded. He had 1500 something yards from scrimmage 13 touchdown actually 13 touchdowns plus a kick return touchdown right so yeah yeah so now I've been talking to people all summer on this podcast about Alvin Kamara and I keep saying at number six like I'm buying into the the volume-based touchdown regression and I keep looking going look I love the guy but I can't draft him too early am I wrong I think you're probably right, and I'll,
3: I'll preface it with a couple things. One, last year I was I was on that same bandwagon where I did not really see a path to Kamara producing, certainly not anywhere within the stratosphere of what he ended up being by the end of the season. Um, I, additionally, I love the kid. The way that he plays, he, his acceleration is... Is unbelievable. You see so many players look silly, not because he's putting some sort of nifty move on them, a la LaShawn McCoy, but really because they're just shocked how quickly he gets up to top speed, that they're taking poor angles at him, and he has the ability to knock off tacklers when it comes to just simple arm tackles. All that said, the volume is a big concern. He's a strong back, but he's really not that big and I think you've heard this in the offseason Sean Payton saying even when Ingram's going to be out they're not going to give him the full 25 touch workload a game that you would expect from a single back this is going to be a split backfield which is no shame most backfields in the NFL are now um, split backfields but that said I'm of the mindset that in the first round I prefer safety. I've always been in the uh, always one who uses the mantra of I, I don't want to lose my draft in the mm-hmm. first round. It's difficult to win it. And from my perspective, while I love his talent, I have some serious hesitation about putting all my eggs in the Camara basket, given that we've seen one great year. I do anticipate some of that touchdown regression and certainly some of the yardage regression as well. But really, when it comes to just the volume of, I'm just not sure it's going to be there absent something incredible like we saw last year.
1: All right, so late in the year, we saw the volume. Did it tick up? I'm looking at the, at the game by game. But it did get – I mean, the last five games, including the playoff games, touches, 18, 19, 15, 11, 15. Does that sound about right? That
3: is right, and I, and I think that's what you're going to see. And with that workload, you really have to, on a per-touch basis – have to excel and then again we just kind of like we talked about with breeze where it comes to those touchdowns the conversion rate that both these running backs had was something that i just i, I struggled to see that happening at that rate once again and i don't want to pay for last year's production with this year's price
1: okay now let's move over to ingram so the adp i'm seeing is middle of the fourth round i was in a couple of drafts over the weekend so i'm going fifth round When he comes back, I mean, it's this is interesting because since fantasy football is a week to week game, even though you're going to lose four games of Ingram when he comes back, it's not like you're going to see three quarters of his production. You're going to see all of his production every week. So so what do you do about him? What should you expect from him? Now, his relative to we talked about Kamara's workload from last year, Ingram's dipped a little bit late in the season, right? It did. So what do we do? What do we how do we plan?
3: I think, you know, as frustrating as this response is going to (laughs) sound, Sean Payton has been one where his running back usage, somewhat similar to Bill Belichick, has been wildly varied. He is very difficult to predict how he's going to deploy his running backs on a week-by-week basis, because I think he takes it both hot-hand approach and through a game plan approach, you know, where they've determined in advance to some degree how they want to deploy each of their individual running backs. So, so with someone like Ingram, I do think he is going to have the potential for touchdowns. He's just a big bullying back, but he's also one who's been very injury prone throughout his career. And simply put, there is a chance that when he returns, if for someone for some someone like Jonathan Williams starts to um, show a propensity for being that short yardage um, pounder in between the tackles. that that shot that uh that gives Kamara just uh some leeway on the bench if you have that situation I believe Ingram might be in either in his last season of his contract or one that is is cuttable there's a chance as we've seen in the past where Sean Payton simply says take a back seat Mark Ingram (laughs) and so I I worry about drafting him um maybe that fourth round number if I recall you giving me yep You know, I I do see a scenario where he also could be that, you know, in a prolific offense, the guy who scores double-digit touchdowns, I I think that's very much on the table. Um, So I have no problem deploying him in the flex capacity once those four games are up because at that point, all running backs you draft have risk. But fourth round, you're drafting him to be a starter. And for me, I have a little bit of concern with drafting him to be a starter just given, you know, uh, some of the concerns that I've expressed here.
1: Yeah, and, and the interesting thing about him is we were talking about the volume a minute ago. The two playoff games were his, I believe, his two lowest snap totals of the year, other than Week One. Like it, it kind of, it, as as Camara got better, Ingram's workload lessened.
3: Right, and those two, and you know, frankly, while I was, I probably sounded a little down on Camara in the last segment. It was really just about worrying about taking him in the very first round in those top, you know, ten picks. Yeah. He is a far superior talent to Mark Ingram. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark Ingram is a banger. He is very good at initiating contact. He has made himself into at least a passable pass catcher. But when you put when you line the two up side by side, the talent for Kamara is just immensely different relative to Mark Ingram. So, in that regard, you know, I I would love to have Kamara if the price was slightly lower. Mark Ingram is is more of a replaceable running back than Alvin Kamara is. So there is a higher likelihood that that you could see him have those touches reduced um, for reasons other than just simply concerns about giving him workload volume and leading to injury.
1: Okay. Um, Back to that first round with Kamara. Uh, Would you take Kamara? Okay, so Kamara or Fournette?
3: Uh probably Leonard Fournette.
1: Kamara or Melvin Gordon.
3: Uh Melvin Gordon, though admittedly I'm a homer as a Wisconsin grad.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh Kamara or Kareem Hunt.
3: We're starting to get into the range um where I think that's a it's a big it's much more of a question.
1: And the last one, uh Kamara or Dalvin Cook. I'd probably take Cook. All right. There you go. So you're you're basically dropping Kamara to the turn, which probably means you're not gonna own him, which is fine That's I right. Know I'm not either. All right, folks, is your league still rocking that old tired trophy? I love leagues that do trophies that actually are diligent enough to do trophies. You don't play fantasy in Little League, so why does your trophy suck, right? Why does it suck? It shouldn't. Finally, there's a unique and customizable fantasy football trophy to represent your hard-earned victory. Trophy Smack offers a 1,000 trophy options to choose from. Sizes range from 20 inches to 56 inches and include up to 19 years of free engraving and free shipping on all trophies. That was like, have you ever been in the Hockey Hall of Fame, Justin? I have. Yeah, where they have the the, the rings on the Stanley Cup. So it's it's six rings of 13 teams. So it's 78 years before your ring gets replaced. So you're on the Cup for basically your whole life, which is kind of cool. So, But this one, 19 years of free engraving. That's really, really cool. Give your league something worth bragging about. Level up your fantasy smack talk and customize your trophy today. And with Trophy Smack Swap Tops, Every year, the league champ can update the trophy to represent his or her hard-earned victory. The league champ can keep the topper and the plaque and the plaque. That's awesome. You can keep the topper in the black. As a reminder of what it takes to be number one, throughout the year, Trophy Smack releases new and exciting toppers, so there will always be something fun and downright amazing to choose from. Upgrade your league trophy today and get a free $59 championship ring to keep as your own. Use promo code ROTO RING. That's ROTO RING when checking out with your trophy and ring in your cart. Visit trophysmack.com and use promo code ROTO RING. That's R O T O R I N G. ROTO RING to get your free championship ring. Upgrade your trophy today at trophysmack.com. Thanks a lot, Trophy Smack. All right, let's go to the receivers. Um, so the new and improved and more efficient Drew Brees, who maybe has lower volume. He's got this, I think last year, one someone, I think it might have been Jake Seely, who's now with the Athletics, basically said, Michael Thomas is Marcus Colston in this offense. Um He had his big breakout year last year, but is there more of a breakout coming? I don't know. I mean, you know, 1,200 and something yards, 100 catches. Are we going to see more from Michael Thomas or more of the same?
3: I think what you're going to see is basically that same realm with the yardage and the catches. Um, He's a big body receiver. He's not that downfield explosive threat. But what you've seen with that 1,200, just over 100 catches probably seems about – his range, where I do think you might be able to see some improvement, and this ties in with my Drew Brees conversation, is the opportunity for some more red zone scores. I think, what was it last year? He had six touchdowns, if I'm correct. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm kind of trying to, I'm doing that one off it, of memory.
1: It is, hold on, it is five touchdowns.
3: Five touchdowns. I, I think you're going to see that number push closer to the double digits that you saw. I think he had nine in his first season, which was almost a. Uh, What amounted to a partial season, given that he was a rookie. Um, You're going to see that number jump back up, because I do think you're going to see some regression where Drew Brees is going to be able to toss a few more scores, and some of the running back scores are going to go to the passing game. Um, Thomas is a very good player. I think the Colston comparison is relatively apt. Neither was a burner, though Thomas has a little more long speed than Mark Colston, who was uh, I think, as Sean Payton famously said, was one donut away from being a tight end. Uh, (laughs) uh but in that regard you know, call no one will confuse Michael Thomas with a tight end he's a big bodied receiver but he's also a tremendous red zone threat and i think that's where you're going to see some of the scores come from he's got that bo- he's got that body that makes uh he's a terror on slants with uh with his catch radius and his ability he's got great hands um but i do i, I do think you're going to because of his maybe lack of that elite speed. I think the yardage totals in the catches are probably going to be just about where you've seen his career, which is certainly nothing to sniff at where I, I believe he's the rookie record holder now with, with catches within his first two seasons in the NFL.
1: Okay, so now I'm going to do the either-or game again. Um, Thomas or Devontae Adams?
3: Devont, uh, no, Michael Thomas.
1: Thomas or Keenan Allen? Thomas. Thomas or A.J. Green?
3: I have a soft spot for A.J. Green there.
1: Okay. And the other one who's close, actually. Julio and Thomas have been going pretty close.
3: I think Julio is due for a big season. I found last year's touchdown totals to be impossibly low.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'll buy that. All right. Now, we need another receiver here. And uh, lots of people early in the summer were getting excited about Cam Meredith. And, you know, injuries, you know, haven't cooperated totally. Ted Ginn's still there. They drafted Traquan Smith. What's what's going to happen with the rest of that receiving core?
3: So I think it. I think what you're going to see is Ted Ginn is going to remain as the number two outside receiver. The Saints have long had that deep threat opposite a player like Colston where it was Devery Henderson. And with Thomas, they like someone like Ginn who can truly stretch the field where it's the opposite player. Um, maybe not so much in that capacity. So I think Ted Gimmel will secure that spot. There is a chance if he finds himself injured or if you start to see in his age 33 season him lose a step that the rookie Traquan Smith could make a push for more playing time. Um, He's been tremendous thus far in, in preseason. Where the interesting component comes in is can Cam Meredith find a role in the slot where you've seen guys like Willie Sneed have production over the last few years. And Meredith is a little bit bigger. He's a little bit faster than someone like Sneed. It's just a matter of can he stay on the field? And I believe with Chicago he was more of an outside player. Is he able to play the slot position? Um, whereas someone like Traquan Smith, I believe, operates more primarily from the outside as a deep threat um, as a rookie when he was a rookie. I'm sorry, when he was uh, at Central Florida.
1: Okay, so you mentioned Devery Henderson, and I thought that was an interesting one because when he was around, and Colston was around, and Robert Meacham was there, I remember, and Jimmy Graham was there too, so that that changes the equation because they don't have a tight end like that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I would always look at the Saints receivers and go, they have this huge passing game, and after Colston and Graham, I don't know where to go. One week, Henderson would catch a 70-yard touchdown, and then the next week he would go one for nine. And, and I always would look and go, you know what? I don't want to bother with the Saints' other receivers. Should I bother with any of these guys?
3: No, and I think that speaks exactly to what makes Drew Brees so great, but also frustrating from a fantasy weapon perspective, is he has never been the guy, even with Colston and with Thomas, where he's going to just absolutely force-feed them like you might see with like DeAndre Hopkins. There is not going to be 190 targets to one player. Frequently— Eight to ten different players catch a pass in a Drew Brees offense on any given day. And so where it's someone like Teg Game, where it's a secondary weapon, the variability is going to be extreme. Unless you're in a best ball format or something of that nature where you can handle those wild swings and just take the highs for what they're worth... It's I think it'll be end up being more of a headache than it's worth unless you're truly taking just a late round flyer on someone like Meredith for the upside potential. But otherwise, I would probably be a little hesitant to to go all in on any secondary receiver.
1: Okay, and now let's move to the tight end. Speaking of hesitant to go in on um, last year, the tight ends were basically non-existent. They brought in Ben Watson, who's was he 37? He's old. Um, He's up there. <laughs> would, I mean, any any interest at all? There I, is, does he even sneak inside your top twenty tight ends?
3: Actually, yes. So the thing with the Saints' offense is, it that's been missing the last couple years here with the co- failed Kobe Filner experiment, is Drew Brees has made a living in Champagne's offense, hitting that seam pass, hitting the tight end over the middle for that fifteen yard gain, and. Ben Watson made a good living on it just a few years ago with Drew Brees. He set his career high in receptions and I believe his career high in yardage. When was this? This was uh, 2015, just a handful of years ago with Drew Brees at the helm. Now, I don't want to overstate things and say that you should be drafting Ben Watson as you know one of your top five, but somewhere once you start to get in that dart throw area in terms of tight ends, given how the Saints have Historically, used the tight end. Given Drew Brees' comfort level with Ben Watson, you know if you're looking for those that 600 yards, five to six touchdowns, kind of a safe option there at the back end of the tight end realm, you know the, the range of twelve tight, tight end twelve. I have no problem looking at Ben Watson.
1: All right, that's a good. That's a good statement. I mean, last year Watson he was effective with the rave. I mean, you know, 61 catches, not much on the yards per catch front, four touchdowns. But um, you're right. I mean, the, the Saints have done good things with the tight ends. All right, the last thing, uh, we don't talk about defenses a lot here because defenses and kickers can be a dart throw. Defenses less so. They were strong on interceptions and sacks, but their fantasy status, they didn't score a lot of touchdowns. Are they getting better? I mean, right now they're being drafted ninth or tenth at, uh, among defenses. Do you think this, this unit's going to improve? They've added a lot of talent in the draft the last few years.
3: Yeah, I mean, once you get to that defense nine or ten, that probably seems about right. You know, getting past those first few defense, you're just looking at almost dart throws to a certain degree. The Saints have a great pass rush. They have Cameron Jordan, who was an All-Pro last year. Um, Alex Okafor has returned to health. They draft. They moved up to draft somewhat controversial uh, Marcus Davenport with the 14th round. So they should be able to rush the passer. Um, you know, it, it, they have. Some good cornerback play, which has been a long time since I've been able to say that, with Marshawn Lattimore being the reigning rookie of the year and Marcus Williams being a very good player in his own right. Um, but they're going to give up some points sometimes, and that—that's a byproduct of playing in a very good division. The NFC South has yep. uh, some prolific offenses, and it comes with the fact that you know, with their team going, with the Saints actually going to put points on the board. To some degree, there's only so much you can do in terms of in terms of defense. So I, I imagine they're going to rack up some sacks and picks, um, but they'll give up some points as well. They're not going to be, you know, the Legion of Boom Seahawks from five years ago.
1: Okay, got it. Um, all right, that's cool. That's good for the Saints, Justin. What are you going to be working on soon?
3: Well, this is actually busy season for me um, when I'm not wearing my tinfoil expert hat. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually an attorney and representing a lot of clients in the sports and entertainment industry, including a number of organizations in the fantasy sports space, all of whom who are gearing up for NFL season. So nice. it's fun time.
1: It's that time of year. We're all busy. That's great. All right, Justin, thanks a lot for doing this. I appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me, John.
1: All right, folks, listeners to this podcast can get a free 10 day RotoWire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. Folks, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review and a rating. We ask that every show, and, and we really like when you do it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday. I think we're going to check out on the Pats and the Cowboys with more of the RotoWire Beat Writers. So come on back, man. For Joe Bartell and Justin Philco, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.